scripture this morning. It's going to be found in the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible. And it's going to be in chapter 22. And so if you'll stand with me, we'll read the first 14 verses out of Genesis chapter 22. And it came to pass after these things that God did, and I'm going to change the word here because this, this word throws people off, tempt Abraham. It was a test. God tested Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. And he claved the wood, or he split the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they both of, of them and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behind him, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Bow your heads for prayer. And dear Lord, we come to you this morning realizing, dear Lord, that there's many things that could be said about this passage of Scripture. Lord, I pray that you'll help 
as I try to speak this morning, that I will be able to communicate the truth of the word to the minds and hearts of people that are here this morning. I pray, dear Lord, that you will help us to have ears to hear, that you will help us to have comprehension, that we can understand the significance of this scripture, this, uh, this episode that took place so many hundreds of years ago, and what it prophetically forecast was going to happen uh, a number of years in the future. I pray, dear Lord, your hand upon us this morning. Have your way in our hearts and lives, and we'll thank you for all you do. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When we come to a passage of scripture like this, there are people that have been in the church for a number of years, and they know all about it. <laughs> They've heard it preached backwards and forwards. They've heard it applied in different ways, and they know, they know different ways of looking at these things, and they know the history of what's going on. And then we have people that are newbies, the young people. Uh, they don't know anything about it. Uh, all, these, all these individuals that we read about, uh, they're unknown to them. They don't, they don't have any, any background on who these people are and uh, the significance of these people. And so as I thought about the message for this morning, uh, the Lord impressed me that I should not be too... Uh, uh, too much concerned about every detail, but give, give the story in a way that will communicate to everybody. Because that's what we're here for, isn't it? We're here so the truth can be communicated, so that you young people, when you get through with the service this morning, you'll know a little more about what went on here than what you knew when you came in that I could actually ask you a question and you could tell me something about what I said. It really is a compliment to a preacher or a Sunday school teacher if, if the people that are listening know something about what went on. You see, I, I, don't just, I don't just say that to you, but when my granddaughter's here and I'm taking her home, I will ask her uh, what what did you learn? What, what, did, what did the Sunday school teacher tell you? Uh, what, what did you get out of the sermon? Uh, and if you get nothing out of anything, you've wasted your time, haven't you? Uh, you need to get something that you can say, well, I've got a piece of information. I know a little more about it. I understand a little more than what I did before. And so... Sometimes it's kind of hard for the information to penetrate. So as we look at this story this morning, who, who is this Abraham? Why do we care about Abraham? Why do we care anything about what, what Abraham did hundreds of years ago? Now, you would get a clue from the title of my sermon, and if you haven't read the bulletin, you don't know what the title is. 
but the title is a prophetic, it says the, but it's a prophetic snapshot of Calvary. A prophetic snapshot of Calvary. So when we're talking about Calvary, what are we talking about? Uh, so if I ask a young person, who can tell me what Calvary is? Anybody, any young person, can you tell me what Calvary is? In your own words. Go ahead, Peyton. You want to try? Pardon? 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 I can't understand it. Like a place? Okay. Like like a deal? Like jail? No, not like jail. <clears throat> There's those two words in the scripture that are that refer to the same place. <clears throat> one of them is Calvary, and the other one is Golgotha. Golgotha. So if I say Golgotha, do you know what Golgotha is? Do you know what happened on Golgotha? It's like a place outside, outside of Jerusalem. It is the place where Jesus died. It is the place where Jesus died. So there's a piece of information you picked up this morning, didn't you? Calvary. Uh, we used to sing a song about Calvary. Uh, you know, we take for granted that everybody's always going to know what we've always known over the years. But if you're, not a, if you're not singing about it or know about it, you don't know about it. Uh, but, but we used to sing a song, uh, years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified. See, I see people nodding their heads because we know what that song is. Knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. So he died on Calvary. Uh, and so when I say a snapshot of Calvary, I am a prophetic snapshot of Calvary. I'm saying that this story that I read to you was something that happened hundreds of years before Jesus was crucified. But it was a picture of what was going to go on when Jesus was crucified. And so, here's the, here's, here's the pieces you need to put this together, okay? This, this Abraham is an old, old man. He's a very old man. He did not have a son with Sarah, his wife, until he was a very old man. Now, when you go when you go to the hospital, have, have you had relatives that have had children? You go to see the baby. Uh, so when you see the mother, when you see the mother and she's with the baby, uh, do you see an old, old woman sitting there and this is the mother of the baby? You don't, you don't see an old woman, do you? You see a, 
You see a young woman if she's holding the baby, if that's the mother. Yeah, grandma may be there, but she's not the mother, she's the grandmother. Well, get a picture of this. Here is, here is an old, old couple, and God has promised that they are going to have a child, and in fact, Abraham's name actually means that he is the father of nations, that they're going to have such a large family. I really enjoy it sometimes, uh, you know, when I see how large a family is. The Phillips family was here uh, and had uh, a celebration of Janet Phillips' 80th birthday, and they had uh, 40, 44 offspring, I think, one more than Janice has in her family. Uh, you know, from Janice and Alfred, 43 people. Uh, from Phillips, from Clarence and Janet Phillips, 43 people. Uh, you talk about world population and over, overpopulation and all this. Uh, that's a lot of people from two people, isn't it? Well, it just keeps on growing. <coughs> So, <coughs> excuse me. So we have, we have here a, a woman and a man that were both very old. And so they had no ch ch child together, and God said that they were going to have one. Well, they were like ancient when this baby was born. In fact, do you want another piece of information? <coughs> You're going to get it whether you want it or not. <laughs> so you know what Isaac means, young people? Do you know what the name Isaac means? Anybody? Okay, you're not a young person, but I guess you are young. You are young, okay. Okay, that's quick by, I guess. Okay, so that means laughter. Because when this old woman was told she was going to have a baby, she laughed because she thought, how can this ever be? Because Abraham, the Bible says, was a dried up old man. Sarah was well past the time of having a child. God said they were going to have a child. And so this Isaac was born. So we want to think about this together because you're learning something this morning. Okay? So Isaac was born when it was impossible. It was physically impossible for him to be born. Can you think of somebody else that was born in contradiction to the laws of nature, that he had an earthly mother, but he did not have an earthly father. And the mother, the mother was pregnant and carrying a child, but it wasn't as a result of a normal relationship, that it was a result of a miracle. Can you think of anybody like that? 
What are you saying, Connie? Mary. That was an impossibility, wasn't it? And we say Jesus is the son of man, yes, because he was born of Mary, but he is the son of God, or he is God the son, because God is his father. Okay, so we have a similarity here. We have a similarity. We have two births, and we've spanned across hundreds of years to look at these two births, both of them impossibilities. The second one I named even a greater impossibility, but only brought about as a result of a miracle of God. And so uh, here we have this old man now. He's got this son that is very precious to him. And the Bible says, take your son, your only son. Now we're not going to go into all the theological other considerations here. This is God's promised son to Abraham. Take him. Okay, now who, who, else, who else, is there another way of saying this? Do you know a verse of scripture that talks about the only begotten son? Do you know a verse? What verse is that? Name it. John 3.16. Who can say John 3.16? Go ahead, Peyton. Okay, so here we have, and if you use the old King James, one and only is a good translation. NIV, in the King James, it would be his only begotten. So here we have another comparison. We have the only, the only begotten, the only, the one and only son. So this, this child would be very precious. We talked about that drowning uh, this was a brother. Still a terrible loss, wasn't it? And, and this family will never heal from that. The, the pain will dull over the years, but there will never be a total healing because that son is gone. So here, here this old, old man is told to take this very precious son of his and to take him to a place that God is going to reveal. And this place is called Mount Moriah. Uh, I want you to take him, and, it's, and, it's, and I want you to take all the things you need to sacrifice him. Now you say, how could this be? Because that's against the Ten Commandments. There weren't any Ten Commandments. It was before the Ten, ten, ten Commandments were given. There was the law of conscience. Abraham knew that this was not God's way. And yet he was told that he was supposed to do this. He's supposed to take his dearly beloved one and only son and he's supposed to take him to this mountain and there God says, I want you to offer him for a sacrifice. Now, when, when we think about this, where is Mount Moriah? Where is Mount Moriah? How about... Uh, in Jerusalem now, uh, where they used to have, it no longer stands because it was destroyed in 70 AD, where there used to be a temple on the mount. And historians tell us this is the same place 
where Abraham offered Isaac. That is where the temple was built. That is where there was an altar. And that is where, that is where the Jews brought their worship and their sacrifices. We're told it's the same place. And so nothing was standing there then as far as a building or anything. It was just a barren mount. And God says, I want you to go and I'll show you where. But I want you to go and take your beloved, your one and only son. Now, I want you to get a picture with me of what was going on here. How do you think Abraham felt when he knew he was headed and he wanted to obey God? This is something that had to be done. So he heads for this mountain. If you had, if you had your, your one and only son and you were headed and you knew that on that mountain he was going to die, I mean, think about people today that their child has a terminal illness. Uh, you know how heavy their hearts are. We see them on television. Uh, we see them uh, bewailing the fact that their loved one is going to die. They can't do anything about it. Here Abraham is told, take your son and head to the mountain, and there you're going to see his demise. He is going to die there. So Abraham's heart was breaking. Abraham's heart was in a terrible turmoil. He knew it had to happen, but he didn't want it to happen. But he wanted to obey God. He had a history of obeying God. That's, that's how he was in that land to start with. And that's how he had that son. God gave Abraham and Sarah that son, and God believed, or Abraham believed God could take care of that son, even, even if it meant a miracle, God could take care of that son. And so we have Abraham going with the son. He's got two servants with him. Think of them as two witnesses as to what's going to take place. And Abraham has split the wood, and the servants are carrying the wood until they, get, until they get to the foot of the mountain. Now, it's just father and son together. The servants can't go. This is just father and son together. Remember when Jesus was faced with the cross? Do you remember how he brought his disciples to a point and then said, wait here, and I'm going to go pray. What is the name of that place where Jesus prayed, that garden? Do you remember that, young people? Do you remember the place, Jason, where Jesus went to pray? Anybody think of the name? How about the older people? You know what it is. Gethsemane. You've heard that name, haven't you? Gethsemane. That's the place where Jesus went, told his disciples, stay here, I'm going to go yonder and pray. And he went over, the Bible says, he went about a stone's throw. <clears throat> Dr. Phillips, who wrote a book on Calvary, 
said that that was the distance of death. I never thought of that before, the distance of death. Because the Jews stoned people to death. So it was the distance of death. Jesus went by himself the distance of death. But Jesus went, whether the disciples could see or not, the Father was there, wasn't he? And Jesus was talking to the Father. What did he say to the Father? If it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Take, take this terrible thing, this, this death on the cross for the sins of the world, take it away. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So here we have father and son now. They've come to the foot of the mount. <clears throat> Abraham and Isaac. Abraham, and what does Isaac mean? Laughter, because he's a son of an impossible birth. And so he goes now just he and Isaac up the mountain. And, and Isaac, Isaac now takes the wood from the servants, doesn't he? Servants are no longer carrying the wood. Isaac's carrying the wood. And he's carrying, he's, he's got the knife and the fire. Father, he says, we've got the wood, we got, we got the knife, we got the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Abraham says, Isaac, God is going to, prepare, going, to, going to provide himself the sacrifice. God is going to provide himself the sacrifice. And so they go. The Bible tells us that when if you look in the book of Hebrews, and there we're not going to turn to it, chapter 11, verse 17 to 19, that Abraham believed that if he killed his son, God, in order to keep his word, would have to raise his son back to life. Nobody to that point had ever been raised back to life. But Abraham believed that God was going to raise Isaac back to life because he was doing God's will. Now, you have crazy people today that say, God told me to do it. This is not something that's repeated today. This was a once and for all for us to have a lesson this morning on what God was going to do with his son. And so the scripture tells us that they went together. Now, Isaac was not a little kid. Isaac was probably 20 years old anyhow, close to 20. Abraham's an old man. Isaac could have said, you old man, you're out of your head. I'm not going with you because I'm not going to die on some altar somewhere. And he could have overpowered Abraham and, and that would have been the end of the story. But he didn't do it, folks. He listened to what his father said, and he believed his father. And they went together, and they went clear up on top of the mount. And Isaac, Abraham, built the altar. He put the wood on it. 
He had Isaac lay down on the wood. He takes the knife and he's going to kill Isaac. Isaac is bound now on the altar. Isaac knows what's going on. Think about Jesus now, folks. Jesus had the power at any time that he could have, we're told he could have called 12 legions of angels if he wanted to, to set him free. Jesus did not use his power to gain freedom, did he? He, he, could have, he could have smitten those that were taking him to be crucified. They could have all been put to death right then, just with a word from Jesus. But he didn't do it. He said, when he talked about what he was doing, he said, the cup that my father gives me, shall I not drink of it? He tells us, that, that, I think if we look in John chapter 19 and verse 17, if I got my reference in the right place, I know I got it down here, 1917 of John, and it says this, that's the one where he's bearing his cross, and he went forth, bearing the cross. We said that Abraham put the wood on Isaac. He told the servants to give it to Isaac. Jesus bore the wood, didn't he? Jesus bore the cross, didn't he? He carried the cross. And so John 17 tells us that bearing his cross, he went forth. We know he didn't make it all the way because he fell under the load of it. Who bore the cross for Jesus? Young people, do you know who bore the cross? This might tax some of the older people. Who bore the cross? If Jesus couldn't make it all the way, he had been beaten, he had been up all night, we understand that he likely fell under the load of the cross as he walked the way of sorrows to go to Calvary. So, you're getting a lot of information this morning. I hope you're Skulls can contain it. I hope you can remember some of it. So, somebody was taken from the crowd to bear the cross of Jesus. Older people, who was it? Simon, Do you remember? Of Simon of Cyrene. Very good, Josiah. Simon of Cyrene carried the cross. But here we have the comparison of Isaac carrying the wood... We know that Jesus carried the wood. He carried the cross as far as he could and, and up to the top of Moriah. And the scripture tells us then that he offered himself freely and willingly to die in our, our place. Uh, he certainly didn't deserve it. Uh, but he did that because he loves us and because he wanted to be obedient to the Father. And so, Jesus' death is a vicarious death. <clears throat> I didn't find that reference. I know it's here somewhere, and I'll find it when I'm all done. The cup that my Father giveth me, 
shall I not drink it? Uh, and if you want it after service, I'll give it to you. Uh, but Jesus drank the cup because his father insisted that that was the way it had to be. It was determined that that was how our sins would be forgiven. So Jesus died a vicarious death. These are not words, have you ever said vicarious? Say it with me this morning, vicarious. Say it again, vicarious. Jesus died a vicarious death. He did not die because he was guilty of any sin. He died in our place. That's what vicarious means. He took our place on Calvary. He took, he took our penalty. He took our punishment. We should have suffered and died, the songwriter said. Jesus did it willingly for us. And so the scripture says that Isaac willingly laid down. Abraham had every intention of slaying his son because God said, I want you to offer him. And so Abraham pulls back and he's going to plunge the knife into his son, believing all the time that God can raise this miracle son back to life. But when he does, I read it to you and you read it on the screen, why didn't he do it? Why didn't he do it, young people? Why didn't the knife go all the way? Why did it not happen? Do you remember what it said? Who stopped him? You're scared, aren't you? I like to see kids when they're scared. Yeah. Chicken. You're chicken. <laughs> yeah. The angel called to him, said, Abraham, Abraham. Abraham, Abraham, don't do it, stop. And Abraham looked, what did he find in the thicket behind him? He found the sacrifice, didn't he? He found a ram, and the ram was caught in the thicket. What is the thicket? What do you think of when you think of a thicket? What do you think, Carol? And what else? Do you go into a thicket, and uh, is it just real nice? Your clothes are not torn. Thorns? You think of thorns? Do you think of that with a thicket, young people? Thorns? This ram was caught in a thicket. Probably thorns. We have to use a little imagination. Probably thorns. What did Jesus wear? Crown of thorns, didn't he? A crown of thorns. I got a picture of that when I was in Israel of a thorn tree, and the thorns every bit of two inches long, terrible thorns. Jesus, Jesus wore the crown of thorns for us. So now Abraham has stopped. Did, did God stop the crucifixion? No, he didn't. He let it go on, didn't he? And Hebrews 8 tells us, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Vicarious, he delivered him up. God the Father allowed Jesus to be crucified. 
And that, that verse is found in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. He delivered him up for us all, spared not his own son. Isaac was spared. Jesus was not spared, folks. Jesus was not spared. If Jesus was spared, then we would have to go to hell. Jesus was not spared. And because Jesus took our punishment, we can go to heaven. He that spared not his own son, Jesus paid it all, we sang. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson or a terrible mark on us. But Jesus, Jesus gave us pardon and deliverance. Now, here's a hard one. What's the name of this place? What's the name of this place on Mount Moriah? It's given here in the scripture. <clears throat> Jehovah Jireh. In verse 14, uh, have you ever said that? Jehovah Jireh. Say it with me. Jehovah Jireh. Say it again. Young people, say it with me. Jehovah Jireh. That is, that is Hebrew. What, what is that? Yeah, and Josiah put it up on the screen for us. Jehovah Jireh. Jireh. What? Oh, you're, you're trying to get Peyton to say it right? Okay, say it again, Peyton. Jehovah Jireh. Jireh. Yeah, see, there's a J there. Jehovah J-A-R. J-I-R, I mean, E-H. Jireh. Okay, Jehovah Jireh. It means, it means the Lord will provide. Okay, now you know a little Hebrew, don't you? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. The greatest provision that God made for us was providing a sacrifice for our sins. Jason, you got to say that word right there. The first word, Jehovah Jireh. You don't have to say it. You don't have to say it to me. Just say it with the group. Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Jireh. And it means the Lord will provide. So God spared Isaac. Abraham knew that Isaac would be raised if he had to kill Isaac. But do you see how this is a picture? of what God was going to do hundreds of years later, that Jesus was going to bear the wood. He was going to go up on the mount. He was going to give his life for us. He is, he is God's provision for our forgiveness. The Lord will provide. And if we don't take the provision of God for our sins, there's no way we can go to heaven. That's the only way we can be saved is receiving God's sacrifice for our sins. So, you see, I kept my word. It was different and it was more interactive than some of you like, but that's okay. <laughs> some, some things were learned, I think. 
And so we like to have people that know what's going on. Uh, there's great songs in your hymnal, folks. There's great songs. Every song that's sung today is not necessarily a song that is doctrinally correct. But there are great songs. I really enjoy visiting with Thelma Hansen, Denny's mom, in Walnut Crossing. Because I was telling him that... Uh, that <clears throat> You know, there's some things she doesn't remember, and we know that. But if I bring up a song, and I'll give the name of a song, she's ready to go. She's ready to sing. Uh, I, think, I think we sang the old Rugged Cross together not, not too long ago. Uh, can, can you sing some gospel hymns that are in-depth meaning? Because a lot of times, the little ditties we sang, you, you don't think of them. They're just little happy ditties. Uh, you know, I'm blessed. That's not theologically <laughs> a, a great theological statement. We're blessed. Well, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. We are. We ought to rejoice in the Lord that we are blessed. But I'll tell you what, when you're singing, On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. The emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. For a world of lost sinners? Yes, vicarious death. For a world of lost sinners was slain. And so we cherish what Jesus did for us on the old rugged cross. Well, that's the sermon this morning. And I trust, I trust that you will not only know the meaning, but you will worship Jesus for what he's done, for the salvation he's provided, for the hope we have in him. Will you stand?